0: Oh, welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA Podcast Episode 77. Your hosts, Noah B. and Dominic Salee. It's Wednesday, which means this episode is just a bit extra special, and here's why. Third part in an ongoing series that we like to call The State of... And we love it, don't we? We do. Basically, the whole concept here being that we take anything, whether it be a division, a fighter, a promotion, anything that literally anyway. anything that literally affects MMA as a whole, we give the state of. So what led up to the current state we're in and how we foresee the future playing now. Well said. How are you doing, Dominic? I'm doing
1: well, and I'm just glad we're back on another hump day here. Mm-hmm. It's always nice with the schedule we have when we... Finally come back, bringing the momentum, and we're ready to go with another instant classic here. Yeah, of I course. Mean, obviously. Of course.
0: So this third part, first two, we did the state of the men's UFC men's flyweight division. Then we did the state of Conor McGregor. Mm-hmm. And now we're back with another division, this time the state of the UFC light heavyweight division. Pretty much in the news right now. Yeah. Obviously, Saturday, our main event was Jan Blachowicz. The light heavyweight champion defending his belt against the middleweight champion Israel Adesanya. And really is kind of coming to his own here. A guy who people have counted out every step in the way. I can say that because I did. And now he's a defending champion. Reigning defending. Yes. So. But in order to kind of, you know. Get to where we are. To get to where we are, we got to go back. Dare
1: I say we must paint the picture.
0: Yes. Yes, we must. We're going to go back. To
1: 1997.
0: 1997. So, in the early days of the UFC, obviously the the, for the first couple years, it was all strictly tournament, one night tournaments, and the winner would get you know some sort of I don't know, get like a big old check. Maybe. (laughs) Yeah, literally. Yeah, the big (laughs) checks. checks. (laughs) Maybe a trophy. I don't know. Uh, they, they did introduce something called a super fight champion. So they were still doing open weight. You know, there wasn't like weight classes, but, you know, a lot of these tournaments, what was happening was the fights that they wanted to make in the finals weren't happening. So what do you do? Take those guys out of the tournaments and put them up against each other in a main event. So you started with uh, Hoist Gracie, Ken Shamrock, and then Ken Shamrock was in a lot of them. He did one with Dan Severin. Um, I think he did one with Chemo Leopoldo, someone, I think he did one with, uh, there's a lot of them, let's put it that way. But they officially introduced a title for the heavyweight division, which started with Mark Coleman, mm-hmm. and that was their only champion for about, I want to say two years, a year. But, at UFC Japan, in Yokohama, Japan... On December 21st, 1997, the UFC would crown its first light heavyweight champion. That was Mr. Frank Shamrock with his victory over Kevin Jackson.
1: Little did they know, that would become essentially the staple division of the entire organization for years to come.
0: Yeah, I mean, in some ways, do you feel like... I, maybe this is something for later, but do you feel like this division overall is the one that's had the largest impact on the organization?
1: Got to be hundred percent. And of course yeah. we'll get into that much more. We're still yeah. in the early days.
0: Yeah. So Frank Shamrock gets to the win there at UFC Japan, 1997. He would go on to defend the belt four times. That's solid numbers. Yep. He defeated over or defended over Igor Zinoviev at UFC 16, Jeremy Horn at UFC 17. Jeremy Horn having a victory over Chuck Liddell. Yep. John Lober at UFC Brazil, and capped it off with the win over Tito Ortiz at UFC 22. He held the belt for 703 days. Wow. Not so, bad for your first champion. A little less than two years. Yeah. Um, he would vacate the belt. On November 24th, 1999, a day before my birthday, a day before I turned two years old. And he basically retired. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought he did. Citing a lack of competition. Now, he would come back. He would have bouts in force, I believe, and maybe even WEC. But, yeah, that was kind of the UFC's first dominant champion. You know, the heavyweight division really has never had. Yeah, that's true. Up until, I guess, Stipe has never really had a dominant champion. At least if you're going by the title defenses. wins. Yeah. But Frank Shamrock, you would think, being how dominant he was for the early days, you would think that he would be a UFC Hall of Famer, right? Well, he is not. Um, for as open as Dana White is and as much as he likes to, you know, he'll keep it real. He'll speak his mind, yeah. He's never really addressed it. All we know is that him and Frank Shamrock do not like each other to this day. And therefore, Frank Shamrock will, has not may never be inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame.
1: How about that?
0: <sighs> First ever light heavyweight champion. Yep, and he's still not even there. That's tough. Come on, he needs to be put Come in on, there. let's do it. But with that being said, he vacates in 1999. UFC crowns its second ever champion. A man pretty familiar Tito Ortiz. Mm-hmm. So he would win the belt at UFC 25 in Tokyo, Japan with a victory over Vanderlei Silva. How about it? <laughs> a lot of people may not realize that Vanderlei Silva fought in the UFC before we kind of, knew yeah, him. You before you know. he became the, the really before he made himself who he was in pride even, but Tito would pretty much dominate him. A very young Vanderlei Silva. That was on April 14th, 2000. 2000. He would go on to hold the belt for 1,260 days. That's a title reign right <laughs> yeah. there. He would defend the belt. Make it five times. Five times. He would defeat Yuki Kondo at UFC 29. Evan Tanner at UFC 30. Elvis Sinisek at UFC 32. Vladimir Matyushenko at UFC 33. And Ken Shamrock at UFC 40 one of the
1: best rivalries in UFC history.
0: Are literally a rivalry that, in some ways, kind of carried the the promotion in the in those early days. You know. So when did his title reign end? Well, it would end, I guess, June 6, thousand three. So we so from ninety seven
1: to three, we had two champs. It's almost like this division just has those periods, doesn't it? Yeah, something else. We'll it's a, it's, it. it's about the change, though. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Quick. It's crazy. Because
0: Tito Ortiz would end up losing, him. and I guess we should just talk about Tito Ortiz first. Thing. I mean, the guy was—he's on your uh, Mount Rushmore. Yeah, he's on my—he was on my Mount Rushmore. I think he—I think he's kind of due to kind of maybe some of his trash talk being a little cringe nowadays, and you know, he's said some out there mm-hmm. things. He's kind of become a meme, yeah, in a lot of ways. However. The guy was truly dominant at the time. He can't he was deny waiting. what he did for the He was ahead of his time when it came to MMA and fight promotion as a whole. The first time the UFC was really featured in a prominent spotlight on TV was on the uh, Best Damn Sports Show, I think is what it was called. Mm-hmm. And they featured Tito Ortiz. He talked on there. He talked a lot of shit about Ken Shamrock, I believe. and That was kind of way ahead of its time. He was kind
1: of their first big draw. He was their know? first
0: star for sure. And I just don't think he gets enough credit for that. Mm-hmm. You know, he was he was really building to be, you know, just one of the most prominent guys going forward. However, once sort of Chuck Liddell came into the picture, the Fertitas and Dana White, they all wanted Chuck Liddell a little more. So that's why there's a lot of bad blood there between Tito and... Um, Dana White, and
1: for those that, know, that haven't seen the Chuck and Tito Thirty for Thirty, wow! Yeah, I would recommend to watch yeah.
0: that if you want more yeah. details. But, however, Chuck Liddell would not be the one to uh, take the belt. Dethrone from Tito. Yeah. So, sorry I misspoke. Tito lost the belt on September twenty-six, two thousand three. Okay. <clears throat> however, on June six, two thousand three. Randy Couture would beat Chuck Liddell for the interim title. Mm. One of the first examples of an interim title in the UFC, maybe the first. That was at UFC 43. Uh, Tito was in contract negotiations, a contract dispute. Those disputes got so bad that at one point uh, it was agreed upon with the contract that Tito and um, Dana White would box on Spike TV.
1: Yeah, Tito once, to a press conference, wore a shirt that said "Dana's my bitch." <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yes, he did, and um, because of that interim title put in place, Randy Couture beating Chuck Liddell, nobody saw that coming. Yeah, Randy Couture at that point was already a heavyweight champion. No, nobody ever eight. saw Randy doing anything, and he just went out. And I mean, the, the guy thing. was already one of the first heavyweight champions. He left. He comes back. Everybody's like, okay, let's get Chuck Liddell a big win. He loses. He did it all late 30s, early 40s. Crazy. And then after beating Chuck Liddell, they're like, well, he's not going to beat Tito, right? He does.
1: And slapped him on the ass in the process. Yep, he did.
0: Uh, Randy would beat Tito Ortiz at the very next event, UFC 44 in Las Vegas, Nevada, September 26, 2003. So Randy Couture ends up becoming the undisputed champion. That would not be the last time you will hear that. However, his reign would only be 127 days. And this is going to be another interesting point. He would lose the belt at UFC 46 to... You want to take a guess on who he lost the belt to?
1: This one had to have been Chuck,
0: right? Mm-mm. No. It was Vitor Belfort. Ah, oh, so, young Vitor. However, it is the weirdest way a champion has lost his belt up until what just, just happened at, saturday with the disqualification of peter Jan. essentially the fight begins everybody's really looking forward to it i believe tito or no excuse me vitor throws just a punch that grazes kator immediately kator is like i mean he's trying to still fight but his eye you could tell he's like in so much pain His eye, like, won't open, and he's just, like, grimacing the whole time. Doctor steps in, 54 seconds into the fight. They check the cut, or they check his eye, I should say. Apparently, the glove grazed his Mm, eye
1: uh,
0: and caused a cut. Yeah, on his eyeball. Yep. So, Vitor Belfort and new. Wowzer. (laughs) Yeah, so, definitely the weirdest way that a champion would... Lose his belt up until UFC what happens. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Vitor would not hold it long. His reign would technically be longer at 203 days. But he would lose it back to Randy Couture at UFC 49.
1: So never had a technical title defense.
0: Nope. August 21st, 2004. And Randy Couture two-time light heavyweight champion. Just like that. However, his reign also would not last very long. And this is where we're going to get into kind of this. This is where it changes hands a lot. Yeah, so like you mentioned at the beginning, you had a, what was it, six-year period? started with a long lull. Had three, what was it, two champions yeah. in six years. Yeah. Now you're about to see some hot potato oh, with yeah. the belt. Oh, yeah. And it's going to last a while. A long time. long time. But it starts, Randy Couture gets his belt back. All's kind of right in the world, right? You know, it feels like everything's back to normal.
1: Then
0: then Randy would lose the belt at UFC 52 in a rematch with Chuck Liddell. There it is. Yeah. Now, Chuck Liddell, the Ice Man. The Ice Man. I want to let you talk about Chuck Liddell. I know you've done He it was before, the guy. but you, you grew up. I mean, that's when you first started yeah, watching. Yeah, that is
1: what brought me to the UFC. I remember tuning in on the Spike TV days and the old pay-per-view days, and it seemed like he was always headlining, and he had those badass shorts with the icicles hanging off, and that's why it was always cool to see him fight Tito, because Tito had the fire shorts. It was like fire and ice. Couldn't stand each other. And, uh, you know, like we said, Tito was the first big draw and star in the UFC. Chuck was kind of next up. Had the mohawk, the tattoo on his head, the just stand and brawl capabilities, a kickboxer was always going to be in an exciting fight. And uh, that's just what the UFC wanted, a guy like that to be their champion, to build upon him. And uh, he was in so many great rivalries with Tito, with Randy Couture, <laughs> and uh, he had finally gotten to where the company envisioned him to be one day, mm-hmm. the light heavyweight champion.
0: Yeah, and really Chuck, I mean, he, he was like, uh, I know you were just talking about this, but he, he, he was really, their face. Yeah, he was the, the face of the company. Yeah. And you know, in a lot of the faces of the company the UFC has had, he's really the one who I feel like, I think the majority of people who don't watch MMA would look at him and go, okay, that's what I would expect. <laughs> Mohawk. Exactly. Tattoo just, on his head. Yeah, tattoo on his head. Got the shorts with mm-hmm. the ice on him Just <laughs> always in brawl. Big heavy partier guy. Dude, that, you looked like you just, dude who get some bar fights you didn't for fun. Fuck with yeah, Chuck. you did not want to fuck with Chuck. Exactly. <laughs> Someone would down the line. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. However, he would defend about four times. Yeah. A reign that lasted only 770 days, funny Talk enough. about activity. Yeah. So I tell still, you, man, he was always main eventing, though. Still less than two years, yeah. technically. But he four title defenses. He would defend against Jeremy Horn at UFC 54, Randy Couture at UFC 57. So that would cap the off the trilogy with Chuck 2 1. Chuck 2 1. Canato Sabral at UFC sixty two. And finally Tito Ortiz at UFC sixty six. Yeah, I don't know if people realize this, but Tito and Chuck's first encounter wasn't for a belt. Yeah. But the rematch would be, and Chuck won both of them, so yep. he kind of gets the be- he ends up getting the edge in both of his big rivalries and Really, that would kind of solidify his place. A lot of
1: guys can't do that. You know? you know,
0: that kind of you know Tito's place was already kind of made for him just by the impact he mm-hmm. had early on. But you know, Chuck really had to kind of earn it with these rivalries here. Yeah. He had to really show that he was the best. He was
1: it, man. He was the it factor. He had to
0: show that like the hype was warranted with yeah. him, that the popularity was warranted, that he wasn't just this guy who looked like a fighter. That he was a
1: mixed martial artist. Yeah. You know.
0: And funny thing about Chuck, this is also something for the 30 for 30, if you guys want to learn more. Chuck was actually, he looked a lot like a fighter, but he he, he grew up in a pretty relatively normal yeah. environment. I mean, he went to college. He's got a degree in, like, mathematics or something like that. Dude's very smart, you know, very, I mean, articulate and everything. Just like, fell in
1: love with the fight game.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, he was good at it. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. He would, however, lose the belt. At UFC 71, to another familiar name, Rampage Jackson. Mm-mm-mm.
1: Man, I remember the hype about Rampage. I think when he came really, into the game. This is really the
0: first time we've got to really talk about Rampage. That's true, man. That's so true. Yeah, I guess I shouldn't say a familiar name. Quentin Rampage Jackson, a guy who really made a name for himself at Pride FC along with a lot of these light heavyweights. This was
1: one of the biggest just stars that came over to the UFC ever. His to this per- day
0: a personality that was bigger than the arena. Oh yeah. And,
1: I mean the guy was just Everybody wanted to see Rampage. Came out with the big chains on his neck. Does yeah. the big howl when
0: yeah. they're introducing him. Just oh, what a star. He would knock out Chuck. Yes. And that would kind of be the end of Chuck in the title picture for the yeah. most part. You know, Chuck would kind of fall off after that. He'd have that. a tough
1: career after.
0: And this is where we're talking about. This is the hot potato phase of the division. Because yeah. Quentin's reign would only last, well, funny enough, it lasted 406 days. That's longer than I thought it would have yeah. been. Only defended the belt once. Yeah. And that was against Dan Henderson, another guy from Pride who had really made a name for himself. That was at UFC 75. He would go on to lose the belt to... This is a name we've talked about a few times. Forrest Griffin. Oh, man. One of the biggest, probably, upset wins that maybe people don't... People now might not see it as an upset, but at the time, oh, yeah. that was a huge upset. Especially nobody thought was, Nobody man. thought Forrest Griffin could yeah. be UFC champion. And at UFC 86, he would do it. We'd love that for Forrest. Mm. Now
1: a UFC Hall of Famer. You know, the original Ultimate Fighter Season 1 winner. And that's when, you know, they're like, oh, we had this guy from the show. And look at this. Became the champion of the world, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. That would happen on July 5th, 2008. Forrest's reign though would only last 175 days because he would lose in his very next bout to Sugar Rashad Evans.
1: Man, and that's another guy, too, that was just looked at as such a star. He may have even been undefeated at the time or, like, one loss Sugar Rashad was looked at as like kind of that future of MMA sort of mm-hmm. deal, followed up by someone else we're going to speak of soon. And uh, man, he brought the power and he had the swag and confidence about him. And uh, he was whooping people, man.
0: Rashad was undefeated at the time. Yeah. He was 13 or 12 0 1 going into and the fight. And that's another
1: guy, by the way, that had been on the Ultimate Fighter
0: and now. He a fought at light champion. heavyweight on the Ultimate Fighter, too. Yeah. And he, yeah. Was a, he wasn't He was a big guy for. Uh, fought at heavyweight. Or excuse me, fought at yeah. heavyweight. Yeah. But um, no, very small. And he's not even a big guy for lighthood. Yeah, anyway. he was weighing like two twenty. But he won the whole season. Yep. And then he started he had out winner force. He was thirteen oh and one. He did have a draw with Tito Ortiz before mm. that, but yeah, relatively unstoppable. Yeah. yeah. However, he also would lose in his very next bout happening at UFC ninety eight, May twenty third, two thousand nine. His reign lasted 147 days. He would lose to Leoto Machida. Another
1: guy in the light heavyweight division looked
0: at as a future star. What are the
1: infamous words of Joe Rogan?
0: We are now in the Machida era. Well. <laughs> didn't quite go that way. However, he would technically hold the belt for 350 days and technically also as a, a title defense. defense yeah. um, he would main event UFC 104. With Mauricio, Shogun, Hua. Another, Another guy with a lot... Really, all these, light, all these light heavyweights, man. they the, were. This is the, this was the division. It's very comparable showing. to what the lightweight division is today. If yeah. you took Habib, that's like a, with Habib being you know. That's a fantastic way to put if it. If these guys were actually... Defe- if there was actually a belt in place, like, yeah. I feel like a lot of these guys yeah. would just be passing it back and forth. There was so much talent, and
1: everybody was tuning in for this division. It Shogun
0: was, Hua was kind of the... The last guy to really make an impact in Pride before it's closed its doors. He comes over to the UFC, had a very tough beginning to his career here. He was out of shape, might have been fighting hurt, yeah, whatever it might be. He comes to the UFC. um, He loses his debut fight against Forrest Griffin. About nobody thought Forrest would win. Forrest submitted him in the third round. Yep. then he would have a win over Mark Coleman in his next fight, but Mark Coleman was not...
1: Not the Mark Coleman we all know. No,
0: this was a Mark Coleman who looked a lot smaller. He was a lot older, slower. It was a great fight. Very sloppy, but a fun fight. But it just didn't speak to, like... It didn't make you give you confidence the Shogun was going to yeah. be the Shogun of Pride. And then he would knock out Chuck. Yeah. Now... I think that win might have helped a lot of people. He knocked him out in the first round. So I think that might have helped a lot of people kind of be like, okay, maybe he can compete. Maybe he figured it out. But Chuck had already been knocked out, I think, twice before that. Yeah. So I think people were still questioning when he got this title shot with Lyoto Machida. However, they would have a pretty great fight. A fight that everybody, <laughs> everybody thought Shogun Hua won.
1: Everybody
0: except the three judges yep, who scored the true. fight because they give the nod to Leota Machida, and the UFC thought that, that was such a robbery that they immediately yeah. ran it back. Oh, yeah! And at UFC 113, happy May 8th, 2010, Shogun Hua wouldn't let the judges take it away from him this time, knocks out Leota Machida in the first dominated. round,
1: dominated. And becomes champion of the world. And there goes that Machida era, yeah. Joe Rogan.
0: Joe Rogan to the He still to
1: this day is like, oh, man. One of the most bold <laughs> hot
0: takes I've ever said. I mean, I can see why, To though. his point. When exactly. you look at some of these guys at that time, you know, Rashad Evans is a guy, a good. if you want to talk about him, that really injuries kind of gotten away for him. Mm-hmm. Yes, he did have a ton of losses after the, he lost the belt, but it seemed like it was always injuries that just hindered him from really getting on any sort of run
1: yeah well and you know Leoto was that guy that had brought that karate style so prominent over to the ufc and nobody that really no one it. had seen before and that's why everybody was so awestruck when he would uh come to fight and then just to see him win the belt shouldn't have even had a title defense and then gets ko'd brutally to lose the belt it was just like wow okay so that karate stuff was cool to get to the belt but nah, couldn't really help keep it it was crazy yeah. I remember being young and seeing that fighting style and was like, oh my gosh, this is the next <laughs> wave, you know? This is the new era.
0: That's what it was looked like then. Yeah, yeah it must have been a really exciting time to be kind of watching it unfold, but also just so shocking to yeah. see how quickly it kind of yeah, exactly. came went. It was like a flash in the pan type yeah. moment. Shogun Hua would also never defend his belt because yeah. his reign only lasted 315 days. He would run into a... Uh, a very oh boy very prominent figure in the UFC John Jones this is where the belt <laughs> stays in one place for a while well let's set the scene a little bit John Jones coming in here had basically was the youngest i mean still to this day the youngest yep. champion in UFC history so he beats Ryan Bader another young prospect at the time via submission in the second round, completely dominated him. And I believe Shogun was supposed to defend his belt against somebody. And I don't remember. It might have been Rashad Evans. It might have been Rampage Jackson. I don't remember who he was supposed to defend against. But they were out of the fight. So the Bader fight for Jones happens at UFC 126, February 5th, 2011. After winning the fight in the octagon... They ask if he wants to be the replacement opponent at UFC 128, which happened March 19th. Crazy. A month and two weeks later. He accepts, and he goes in and puts on one of the best title fight performances you'll ever see. Absolutely pulverizes Shogun Hua, who is an exceptional striker.
1: literal legend of MMA getting dismantled. By at the time, what was he? Twenty three when he became the champion. Just unreal. I think he stuff. was twenty.
0: He may have been twenty two. going Twenty three. Yeah, I mean, he's literally around our age Just, now. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> are we UFC champion? <laughs> no, no, we are not. And I think I don't know how many people thought that Jones was going to win going in. I, I don't know. I don't remember. Like you know, I wasn't watching at that time. Do you remember kind of what what? Hmm. I you know at that time it was still he, there were
1: so many like unknowns it seemed about John like you knew okay we've got this up and coming stud that's been wrecking everyone but there still wasn't too much hype compared to some of these other guys that were coming in and then all of a sudden he beats <coughs> Shogun and just absolutely dismantles him and you're like oh
0: yeah, all right like then. you got to think at that time people might go this might be pushing him too soon yeah I went over Ryan Bader you know, who Ryan Bader, another young prospect, and you're like, you get a title fight yeah, against Shogun Hua, but he passes the test and, I mean... And passed every <laughs> other test. After. I don't know if it's even... It, is it worth mentioning that he did have the longest title reign up until this point and also had the most title defenses? Yeah, I mean... Still to this day, the most title defenses in light heavyweight history. 1,501 days. Crazy. Eight title defenses. Consecutive before yeah. the. okay yeah, yeah. yeah. So I got my work cut out for me here. Let's. <sighs> Let okay. him know. The greatness that we witnessed. He beat Rampage Jackson at UFC 135. Leota Machida at UFC 140. That's a brutal one. Rashad yeah. Evans at UFC 145. Vitor Belfort. Now, this was super, super Vitor yeah. at that time. Yeah. At UFC 152. Chael Sonnen at UFC 159. Alexander Gustafson at UFC 165. One of, still one of the greatest fights ever. Glover Teixeira yep. at UFC 172. And Daniel Cormier at UFC 182. And then this is kind of where we get into a little bit of John Jones' uh, He beat himself for the extra Extracurricular yeah. activities. Yeah. Jones would be stripped of the title on April 28, 2015. Due to his involvement and arrest in a felony hit and run, that hit and run being a woman who was pregnant. Yeah. Um, yeah, you kind of said it best. I mean, Jones really did. He beat himself. He beat himself. Belt, like nobody know? could beat Jones besides Matt Hamill, of course. Yeah, that's but, true. <laughs> however, it just seemed like he, even to this day, it seems like the only thing still, guy yeah, that can beat John Jones is John Jones himself. Yeah, it's crazy. So with that, you have a vacant title. So someone's got to, we need a new champion. Because Jones, I believe, was, uh, I don't know if he would be, I mean, he was arrested. But he was suspended, I believe. Yeah, uh, he was just in a lot of deep Because then he got caught, uh, I believe, uh, USADA. Yeah. um, uh, He popped for cocaine, Uh, I believe, around this time. And it's hard to even remember, like, the timeline for him. However, this is where Daniel Cormier finally gets his first reign with the belt. He would beat Anthony Rumble Johnson. Mm Mm-hmm. A great fight there at UFC 187 on May 23rd, 2015. Now we have a new champion Mm -hmm. after the longest reign that there has been. And and honestly, Daniel's reign would be almost as long as John's. Yeah, It was 1,315 days, but he had five less title defenses. Only defended the belt three times.
1: Yeah, a lot of craziness, and of course we'll get into (laughs) it.
0: So he would defend against Alexander Gustafson at UFC 192. Another great fight. Gustafson brings it, man. Then he would not defend the belt again until Anthony Johnson at UFC 210. And then Volkan Uzdemir at UFC 220. Yeah,
1: definitely his most flawless title. So they think.
0: technically counted as all one title reign. Um, we got a, There's a lot of they history in between, between
1: Before that Vulcan fight. So
0: we'll start with... Uh, they were planning to do a rematch between Cormier and Jones while Cormier after Cormier beat Gustafson essentially. Yeah. So then John Jones and him are set to headline UFC one ninety seven. Oh shit, Daniel Cormier's out with injury. Yeah. So then Ovin Saint Cruz steps in, an interim title is introduced, John Jones wins easily. Dominates to a decision. Yeah. John Jones, interim champ. So now the rematch is set for UFC two hundred. Mm-hmm. And, man, I remember getting so excited for that. That was literally a month after I started watching, but I knew who these two guys were. Yeah, what could have been with that card. The day before the event, USADA announced that John Jones had popped for PEDs. Man,
1: and I remember that video of Dana telling uh, DC backstage and he kicks the the ground and just gets so upset. Brutal stuff, man. UFC 200, a card that could have been absolutely just incredible, really fell through. mm Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's where we kind of see, okay, the fight falls through again. What do we do next? And uh, DC, DC ends up taking a fight against, what, uh, Anderson Silva on, like, 27 yeah. hours notice. Anderson Silva weighs in at 193 pounds. DC does what he has to do to win. But, of course, that's not a title fight. It was just a really awkward three-round fight that got tossed onto the main card. Eh, we don't like to talk about
0: yeah, it. Yeah, it's just nobody – it might, shouldn't have even happened, yeah. honestly. Because of this, Jones would be stripped of the interim title on November 9th, 2016. Um, Then UFC 214 happens. So Daniel Daniel defends against Anthony Johnson at 210. Then you have the rematch set again. Jones coming back from the suspension. Rematch is set. A great fight. Great fight. Cormier looked great early. Mm-hmm. Jones lands an amazing Brutal. head kick. Mm, nasty. And you see Joe, you see, Cormier like lean into one side. Like yeah. You can tell he's not in good way. Jones finishing it off with some ground and pound. What round did that come in? Third round. Okay. Uh, so John Jones and new. Yep. New champion. Everything's kind of back to normal, quote unquote. Except it isn't. Mm. Because literally, uh, so he would win the belt on July 29th. But he would be stripped on September thirteenth, after his win was overturned to a no contest yeah, a due to a post-fight test, a failed pre-fight, oh, it was a pre-fight and post-fight, I believe. Yeah, yeah, the Pico Green. Yeah, uh, Cormier was then retroactively reinstated as champion. Yes. So a very weird time, right?
1: Yeah, and DC likes to talk about this time where you know, I lost to John. Um, I, I, he didn't like just getting the belt handed to him, and he kind of looked at that upcoming fight we're about to speak of with Vulcan as uh, his shot at a vacant belt, so he doesn't view it as a defense, even though it technically is, you know? Right.
0: So, then you have the Vulcan-Uzdemir fight, Vulcan, a guy who would knock out everybody. No
1: time. He was knocking everybody out in seconds. And Cormier
0: made pretty easy work of him. Yeah. I think, though, this time period with Jones... You know, even though I know Cormier wanted to fight Vulcan to show that, like, okay, I'm winning the belt here in his mind. I think this is where, in his mind, he probably first decided he wanted to go to heavyweight. Oh, yeah. Because I think there was just, in his mind, you got to think, like, there's no way I can be, I can have the legacy I want at this point. I'm just always going to be under John's shadow. And it's like, and John can't seem to outlast himself. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's like Cormier can't really get the win back. He's already lost technically twice, even if one got overturned. It just it was too messy. Yeah. So I think this is where the groundwork was made for him to make the move to the heavyweight. And it just
1: so happens that that same night he fights Vulcan. <laughs>
0: Stepe defends his belt again. Yep. Him. Against Francis Ngannou, they would end up having a super fight. Yep. UFC two twenty six where Cormier, while being light heavyweight champion, went up to heavyweight and would knock out Stepe, the heavyweight champion, in the first round. Made history. Yep. We don't like to talk
1: about that loss
0: though, but Yeah. yeah, You know. So after winning the belt, Cormier would vacate the title on December twenty eighth, two thousand eighteen. hundred and seventy four days after winning the heavyweight title. And now the belt is up for grabs once (laughs) more. The belt is up for grabs again. And guess who just so happens to be coming back? Johnny Bones. John Jones coming back. The boogeyman, huh? (laughs) Seriously, man, it, when you're really like doing this, like it just, it's just—it's so hard to keep up with all the stuff oh, yeah. the guy's done. Keeping up with the Joneses, <laughs> literally, you know. <laughs> and he's coming back, and they decide they want to run a rematch with him and Alexander Gustafson. The I was so one, excited. First one, one of the best oh, fights in UFC history—a razor, cl- razor-thin, close fight. And I thought we were going to get the same thing. You thought I Gus picked to, Gus to win. The you thought fight. Well, you thought Gus won the first well, one. Well, I thought
1: Gus won the first one, and I said he was going to win the second one.
0: See, I was in the other camp. I yeah. thought Jones won the first one, and I thought yeah. he was going to win this. You were correct. <laughs> I was because John, John did
1: not let it happen again.
0: But <laughs> it, it there was a bumpy road to get even to this fight. So a scheduled UFC two thirty two was supposed to be in Las Vegas. <laughs> I forgot about this. <laughs> So, (laughs) where do we? So John wasn't allowed to fight in Vegas
1: because basically what
0: happened was is USADA took on one of John Jones' pre-fight samples had found traces of PEDs again.
1: Yeah, this time it's the picograms. So not the first.
0: Somehow it ends up turning out that. This is, it was a pulsating effect yeah. in John Jones' body stuff. from the 214 debacle. Yeah. So it looked like, so I guess they were able to determine that he had not re-ingested yeah. PEDs. They, but that they this said was it, simply
1: leftover. Yeah, they said it wouldn't affect his performance. They said yeah. it compared to throwing one grain of salt into an Olympic-sized swimming pool. Well, that's, that's what, what
0: John said, but it was more yeah. like 50 grams yeah. of salt. So still. Do with that what you meant. <laughs> Uh, however, a lot of fans not happy about this no, because, man. and yeah, you can't blame them. I mean, the UFC essentially overnight moved the entire event on like a week or two weeks notice to Inglewood, California. Yeah. I mean, all those people that had tickets. I mean, think In about Vegas. the fighters families. Oh, they, yeah. Like they there was a lot shooken up. This was pre COVID. Yeah. You know, you have an entire stadium. They moved up. a whole show. Crazy for John Jones. For John Jones. I mean, it's it's for popping dirty, you know. It's kind of wild, you know. It is, and you know the UFC Dana, uh, John, and then um, who is the the gentleman that works for USADA? Oh, Jeff Nowitzki? Jeff Nowitzki. This was kind of the first time you would see him. Yeah. He became a character then. Yeah, so the three of them would really go on like a press run. Yeah, they did though. Yeah, I mean, Jeff Nowitzki was on Joe Rogan's podcast. That's still, I believe to this day, the most disliked episode (laughs) of Joe Rogan's podcast. Um, It was not a great time for the UFC publicly if you want to off that incident. I mean... Then you got like the they did like the pre-fight press conference and a lot of the questions involved PEDs. Yeah. I remember the woman reporter
1: oh, it was a really my God. Funny. it got real uncomfortable. <laughs> there was,
0: dude, there was a, it was really funny though when she asked a question regarding PEDs. John Jones said like, "No, we need better questions, yeah. better questions." And she said something he goes, "Sit down." And she goes, "I I am sitting down." <laughs> yeah. So some some humorous moments, but overall, it's just a headache. You know? Yeah, exactly. And then the fight doesn't really live up to what it should be. John Jones <sighs> kind of just he dominated dominates, that one. Gus just looked a little, a little flat. A ten- yeah, a little flat. Got taken down, had no answers. Yep. Um, Jones would go on to hold the belt for five, uh, 597 Yeah, it becomes
1: a little normal for a little while. Anyway. So
0: 597 days. Overall, across both his title reigns, he's held the belt for 2,098 Yeah, 11
1: days. total defenses.
0: So during this reign, he would defend against Anthony Smith at UFC 235, Dominated which I want to let one. you talk about th- that one because...
1: Yeah, so it kind of just relates to what we just saw at UFC 259 over the weekend because John landed a very brutal, illegal knee on Anthony Smith in that fight. But Anthony, being the lion heart you know that he is, chose to continue fighting. If he would have said he couldn't continue, he becomes and new. He becomes part of the state of the UFC lightweight or light heavyweight division as one of the champions on the list. Instead, chooses to fight on, gets dominated for five rounds. But that's when everybody kind of fell in love with Anthony for the heart that he has for a has. short
0: period of time. Before people decided they didn't like him yeah, anymore, I don't know. We what still happened. don't know what happened there. <laughs> Uh, then he would defend he would go quotations. on a two fight losing streak. <laughs> he would go he would go on to lose the belt twice. Yes, yeah. Except for the judges didn't think so. Right. First is that fight with Tiago Santos. I'm still Man, what a war. I'm still on one I'm, leg. Yeah. Uh UFC two thirty nine, it's an awesome fight. Very underrated, I think. Yeah. Especially when you consider that at by the end of the first round, Tiago's fighting on one leg. Yep.
1: ACL, PCL, MCL, all the L's. torn, (laughs) shattered in his knee. And goes five rounds with one of the greatest And we thought he he won. And we thought he won,
0: yeah. But judges scored a split decision. So two of the three judges there scored for Jones. And then he would defend against Dominic Reyes. Undefeated. 247. Undefeated stud at the time. A lot of hype around Dom. But I think nobody really thought he had a chance here. No. Even coming off the Tiago fight, I still was like, It was John Jones. Jones.
1: Yeah. Dom was just this freak athlete, played college football, matched the size of John uh, in terms of length. Well, no one in well, terms of reach. For, but I'll, I'll
0: say for me, what didn't help was that Dominic Reyes' probably biggest win at light heavyweight at that point was Volkan Uzdemir. Yeah, he had an odd run to get to the and title. That, and that Volkan Uzdemir fight was so... I didn't think he won Controversial, that Controversial, yeah. And also, it just wasn't a great fight. And I don't think Volkan Demir had kind of lost his shine at that point. Yeah. Because after the DC performance, I don't yeah. think, like, the fact that it was so close with Vulcan, I think most people were like, okay, how I, much of a shot does Dominic yeah, Reyes Yeah, I think really the, have? the
1: undefeated record played a big factor in him getting that
0: title fight, you know? Yeah, giving John an undefeated length, too, guy Just yeah. kind of like how Gus got it for their first fight. Yeah. Like he got it on his reach That's his size, and the fact that he was undefeated.
1: And much like Gus in that first fight, Dominic Reyes give John think hell. How
0: did the three times that John Jones' wins have been disputed. First Gus fight, Santos-Reyes, I think this is the one that's most clearly yeah. a loss. I agree. I, I agree. think it's a clear 3-2 for Reyes mm-hmm. no matter what way you split it. But, it was still a really close fight. But all three judges give it to John Jones.
1: Yeah, it was unanimous. Crazy that was unanimous with the one against Tiago was a split. Huh? I know.
0: Wild stuff. That would happen at UFC 247. That was February 2020. That's to this day, the last yeah. pay per view we've had with the full crowd, yeah, and with John Jones, <laughs> well, yeah, because then, really, after this, John decides he's going to move the heavyweight. So on August 17, twenty twenty, this is a week after we started this podcast. Yes, sir. So we probably talked about we probably this talked on about the, the it on our very first news segment. Yeah, Jones vacates the belt, citing issues with the UFC over salary negotiation and the desire to compete a heavyweight. Yep. And here we are with Jan Blahovic. The Polish
1: powerhouse himself.
0: And we've talked about these, but at UFC 253, he would be placed in a title fight with Dominic Reyes. Yep. Me and you, a lot of others. Many thought, oh, well, Dom. This is Dom's crowning technically moment. Technically beat John. Jan, He's the uncrowned champ already. Jan, Jan had a nice run, but it's like, okay, this is Dominic's yep. crowning moment.
1: Yeah. Like a lot of people. And he I mean, gets battered. Busted up. You ever seen a footprint in someone's body? <laughs> With one yeah. body kick? Yeah. And then the Polish power in round two. Yeah. Oh, baby. Yeah. So a left uh, hook out of nowhere.
0: Woo! And as of now, Blachowicz has one title defense. And yep. that was over Israel Adesanya on Saturday. Yeah. UFC two five. So up to this point, he is uh, 163 days. How about it? Woo! Okay. There it is. So that's... That's, what your led us. That's what's led us to this point. Now I think it's kind of the time to talk about the current state. The current state. And where we go from here. So let's start with our, we got our champion Jan Blahovich. We got a couple of t- big <laughs> fights coming yeah, up. The
1: elephant in the room here, though. Glover Teixeira. Yeah,
0: talk about Glover.
1: Glover Teixeira now on a five fight win streak at 41, 42 years old. The Ageless Wonder is what I've dubbed Glover, rightfully. Mm-hmm. So. Is next in line. It's you know, it's it's obvious. Dana White said it. Jan Blachowicz said it. Um, and Jan said he needs six months, and then he'll be ready. So uh, he said, if Glover can wait six months, we'll get the job done. I'm assuming Glover will, because damn, the poor guy even weighed in as a backup at UFC 259. <laughs> yeah. He's ready. It sucks. He uh, has to wait that long, or might have to. But he deserves the title, and that's definitely is what should be next. But there are some fun prospects coming up in this division right now. There really are. We saw one of them compete at UFC 259 in Alexander Rokic.
0: Yeah, we did. And Yeah, I mean, Jan Jan Blahovic and Glover share. they're on a crash course going right for one another, man. I mean, they're...
1: You know, I'm really intrigued. to think that's going to be a fun fight. Two guys that you would have never thought to be champion. Glover, of course, you know, challenged for the belt years ago against John, as we talked about. Came up short. Had his fair share of wins and losses traded back and forth, and now five in a row at 40-plus years old. Jan Blachowicz becomes the champion after starting 2-4 and four in the UFC. Now he's 38 years old. Just beat an undefeated Israel Adesanya. What a feel-good story this fight will be.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great point, because these are two guys that I've counted out every step of the way, and that the majority... Are... You're not the only one, yeah. I mean, with Glover, I really thought really the the finishing kind of the nail in the coffin for me where I was out on Glover Teixeira really being in the title picture again was all the way back at UFC 202 yeah when he got one punch KO'd by Anthony Johnson I said okay Glover needs to be That beat. was nasty I mean, Glover. Had, we have not seen Glover fight for a belt since UFC 172 against John yeah, Jones. Years. And now, here in the next six months, we might see him. It's headlining. going to be in the 260s when he fights next. <laughs> you know? almost absolute... 100 pay per view. I'd players. like. I'd be. I'd like to look that up and see what the longest gap in a... between two challenging yeah. title
1: uh, appearances, two title challenges. Dude.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I bet he has the record. It gotta be man. Oh, and, so many people, you know, get two title challenges. And the fact that it happens so far apart, you never see that. Yeah. And for all we know, that could be, I mean, this could be like Glover's Dan Henderson. This moment. could be a swan song. Yeah, right it's here. like the Dan Henderson when he got that title fight against Bisbee. Which we thought he won. Well, I don't think I did. But oh, anyway, story <laughs> for another state of. Um, yeah, so that, I mean, that's definitely the fight. You know, this Israel fight was fun. But now it's like, okay, we got some clarity, we got some direction. But let's do a light heavyweight. Maybe this is a hot take, but I think overall, and I could have been wrong, I mean, maybe Israel would have defended the belt at light heavyweight a few times and stayed active like he's done. This is better for the division. I think it might be better for the division. There's a lot. Israel could do so much, and that's great. But if he's holding the belt at light heavyweight, I feel like he would have been just like waiting for that Jones fight Mm -hmm. potentially. He is a guy that likes to stay active and I won't take that away from him and I love that about him.
1: Man, but you know, regardless, like we've seen with Amanda, when you are defending back and forth, you're gonna have a lull between one of the divisions. Because when you defend light heavyweight, you're more than likely gonna do middleweight next. So then there's this long string of at minimum six months, minimum, where Mm -hmm. there's no title fight in your division. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where in this case it's just better that it stays with the actual light heavyweight, I guess. Is so, we go. have
0: our title picture set. You know, we we know what the next fight's going to be for the belt. At least that's what it looks like. Let's talk about some of these. Just the state of the division as a whole right mm-hmm. now. What are your thoughts on the division? I know we did do an episode on the light heavyweight division. That was the first of our uh, Who's Next series. Yeah. But that yeah. was a while back. So what's your opinion on the state of the division? I right think
1: now? As a top to bottom, it's in one of the strongest points it's been at in years.
0: If you want to go by parity's sake, yes. Mm-hmm. yeah. Where you truly, like, Jan Blachowicz is awesome. He's mm-hmm. a great champion. But he doesn't feel like he's going to be necessarily like a guy that's going to hold the belt for five years. Mm-hmm. You know, he it feels like. Could he? I'm shit, maybe. But <laughs> I'm, yeah, I get I mean, what for you're saying. Know, I'm just saying, like, it feels like we're in a good spot where Jablokovic is really fun right now, and he might hold the belt for... A couple shit. times. I yeah. mean, until he retires, yeah, maybe. Yeah. But he doesn't feel like he's so much better than his competition to where they don't have a chance. You're anticipating competitive So times. it makes each title defense for him intriguing. Exactly. That's and that starts play. with Glover Teixeira, but then after that, you got these big matchups. I mean, Alexander Rakic... If the Tashera t- t- fight never comes to be or if, if no, the sheriff gets hurt, yep.
1: he's right there ready to go. You know, he could be in that backup situation. I bet he will be. Yeah. And, and he uh, deserves it. Then you've got guys like Uri Prochaka, who you're huge on. Yep. We've got guys like Magomed Ankalev making their way up the ladder. Look down to number 12, Jimmy Crew, the number one ranked top 25 prospect under 25 for ESPN MMA.
0: Number 15,
1: yeah. Jamal Hill. Crazy. Uh, yeah, for undefeated stud in Jamal mm. Hill. Top to bottom, the most fun, most just so many questions throughout the whole division that we've seen in many, many years, and that's yeah. a great thing. Really,
0: since that time when there was being hot Yeah, it's around. very refreshing. You know, Not now, that it's bad
1: to see a dominant champion. No. But after you've seen it for so long, it's nice to see something different. And you get to see so many different matchups and styles and just so many great things. I
0: mean, before Jan Blachowicz, this is a stat you had told me. Yeah, we love this. We had not had a champion for light heavyweight that wasn't named John Jones or Daniel Cormier in a decade—essentially ten years, damn near. That's—it's crazy. Literally madness. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and now neither one of them are involved in the, in this division. Mm-hmm. So the door is just wide it's open wide for open. one of these guys to really make a name for himself. You got Dominic Reyes fighting Yuri Prasaka. You got. What even are some of these matchups? I mean... Yeah, I mean, and there's a lot of international Because we fighters. just saw Rakich beat Tiago Santos. So yeah. Then you got Anthony Smith, who I believe is fighting Jimmy Crude, ain't he?
1: Yeah, yeah. He took that... I think it's in uh, May, I believe. Because Jimmy's opponent fell through. Ryan Spann's fight, Misha Serkin this weekend. Yeah. We're going to preview that fight. Jamal Hill's lined up. Paul Craig has been a beast in a... Real threat He'd to anybody. Been in that who had his last fight. That dude is nasty on the ground. There's just so many great fighters here. Johnny Walker still trying to make a name for himself, coming off of a win and the craziest one round fight I've ever seen in my life against Ryan Spann. You still have guys like Vulcan who was challenged for a butt before. Guys like Nikita Krylov who is always hanging around, but with two wins, could finally make it to that contender status. Yeah. It's so fresh right now, and even guys like Tiago who could still. Make their way back yeah, to Yeah, Tiago
0: technically on a three fight skid, but he's still ranked fourth in the division. Exactly. And that's because he's not been getting dominated in these fights. I mean, yeah. We thought he beat John Jones. He looked great early against Glover and then slowed down dramatically. And then he just kind of got outpointed by Rakage yeah. in a relatively close fight, but a fight Rakage clearly won. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. The division's in a great state. Yep. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I just want to highlight some of these other guys. I, I mean, these guys we mentioned, but, you know, when you're talking about prospects, Jimmy Crew, Jamal Hill, keep uh, actually, and I'll throw in Mahomet Ankaliev. They're
1: three of the biggest in the whole UFC, and they're all in one division.
0: Yeah, and Ankaliev just made a splash into the top ten with a win over Nikita Krylov. Yeah. Not a very exciting fight, but a fight that showed a lot about Ankalaev's ability a guy who was like, he looks like an animal on the feet. Mm-hmm. But then he kind of su- just suffocated Krylov for three rounds on the ground. Yeah. And what we called for him and Santos next, right? If I'm not mistaken. Is that what we said? Oh, yeah, we might have. I think
1: we did. <laughs> Either way, he's getting the top five next. Yeah. And, and that would be a, he's actually He's going to be the first up of those prospects to really get thrown in. the Now that deep you water. said that, give me that. Yeah. I don't remember if we said that. If we that didn't or not, say it, here we are now saying it.
0: Yeah. I mean, Ankalaev, he looks like he's ready to make a splash to the top five. Jimmy Cruz got a big test with Anthony Smith. I mean, Anthony Smith's even trying to hang around. Exactly. Anthony Smith now works for the UFC in a commentate well, commentating like uh he does like Up the, in the Booth, yeah, pre fight, yeah, post fight. Yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. He's really at this point one of the biggest names in the light heavyweight yeah, division. That's so true. he gets away. I mean, they have him headlined damn near every fight one a fight night a month. The king of Fight Night Headliner. <laughs> yeah. He's literally had like five, six in a row. I know, it's, it's crazy. crazy. And he could very well, with the win over Johnny Walker, they could give him a title shot if they wanted to. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, he would be competitive, I think, in, against any of these guys in the top five. It's true. Besides baby Rikic. But it's it's literally, no matter who you pair up in this division. Which I think is, there's a lot of great matchups like, stylistically. Guys like Jamal Hill, Paul Craig, Jimmy Crew, even Ryan Spann, Johnny Walker... Some of these guys down at that 10 through 15. They're all dangerous. I think they would all hold up well against these guys like Tiago Santos, Yuri Prohaska, Anthony Smith. Even Jan. Even Jan, yeah. I mean, I really think that you have a 1 through 15, but this feels like the division where everybody's so close. Yeah, a bunch of sharks, you yeah. know. And, and that's just, so exciting. Yeah. It might not be as talented as lightweight or as men's bantamweight. Yeah. However... For parity's sake. For a division that's been stale. Really, you could pair up Glover Teixeira, who's number one, against number 15, Jamal Hill. Yeah. And I wouldn't be so sure who would win that. Couldn't tell you. And that's not a knock on Glover. That's just a credit to Jamal Hill and to this whole division. Exactly. Uh, You really can't. It's a new wave, a new era. Now, let me pose another question to you. Mm -hmm. So now we got John Jones a heavyweight. Yeah. Israel Adesanya looks like he's going to go back to middleweight. Dude, where do you think these two guys' places are now in terms of the light heavyweight division? Will we see them again compete there? Will they fight at light heavyweight?
1: I don't think we'll ever see John there again. He's so damn big right now, and he's just works very hard to put on a lot of muscle and weight. I think he's solely focused on heavyweight in a new challenge. Is he? I do believe we see him there again in the future, but it will come a time after multiple more title defenses at 185, And at a time where he actually builds his body into the weight class. Yeah. Not just kind of, oh, I'm just not going to cut weight and I'll therefore make weight. You know what I mean? He's going to have... Because I think he's going to want to chase champ champ status. And he very well can. He's got the skills to do so. There's just... There's a couple levels that he still needs to get to.
0: That's all. Okay. No, I I definitely think I agree with you. I think... I don't think we'll see John Jones compete at light heavyweight again. I think that guy is really... I've actually been really impressed by his commitment to making that yeah. jump to heavyweight. And I'm so
1: intrigued, you know, because a lot of people have wanted to see that for years, yeah. and now we finally are going to get to see it soon. Granted, it might come against our favorite fighter, which <laughs> could be, you know, hurtful, which we'll wait until that day yeah, yeah, they yeah. talk about it. But uh, I'm just very excited for what John can do at heavyweight, for what's going on at light heavyweight, and then, of course, Izzy, one of the most popular people in the uh, uh, UFC right now. Yeah,
0: and I agree with Izzy. Um, I think he's going to go back. Go back continue, to the drawing board. Continue to try to defend that middleweight belt. We'll see if he's able to do so. We're talking about a guy that could potentially
1: chase down Anderson Silva's records at middleweight, you know?
0: That's how good he's looked at times. Uh, yeah, I mean he really does look like he's just a level above yeah. his competition. I mean, right now the biggest matches for him at middleweight are all rematches. Are mostly rematches. Yeah, And one or two more against guys who he hasn't fought before, and that's completely cleared out the top he's, six, has You talk about seven. a guy
1: that's cleared it out, man. He's done it.
0: Because, I mean, the road to get there for him, I mean, we're not talking about middleweight, but just it's just crazy kind of what he's done there. But you saw when he went up the light heavyweight, he just didn't quite look like the same fighter. Yeah. It, it looked like and Max honestly, when he fought it lightly. Well, I shouldn't say, I, I, he didn't even look bad. Like, he looked good. No, no. It's just... It looked like the th- some of the things he was doing that would have hurt guys at middleweight, that would have gotten either. in their head. You know, the Izzy effect, as you've kind of yep. coined. Jan Blachowicz was all business. And when he got taken down,
1: Jan too big, too strong, yeah. too powerful. He,
0: and Izzy trying to kind of power out yeah. those bottom yeah. positions and just not able to do a so. A guy that
1: we had seen have incredible takedown defense before, all of a sudden gets taken down with ease by Jan three out of three times. Two now, of them which won the fight.
0: Now here's another question I'll pose. So Bellator has made a lot of strides in improving their Shit, that's a whole other episode. I light, didn't think yeah. about their division. In their light heavyweight division. You know Man. Al- Anthony Johnson's over. The Grand Prix, Yoel Anderson, Romero, Anderson. Corey Anderson. Yoel Romero, their champion over there. Where do you think they are in terms of comp- competing with the UFC head to head at light heavyweight? You
1: know, I think they have a lot of great talent. The difference they are being now granted there are plenty of veterans throughout this top fifteen at UFC light heavyweight essentially all eight of those dudes outside of the champion are seasoned vets that have kind of been in the UFC mm-hmm. or just been around the block, and now they're finishing their career in Bellator, whereas the UFC still very fresh. Again, like I said, there are veterans, but a plenty of fresh blood with those prospects we've mentioned. So I think they're both great, and I don't like when people are like, oh, well, you know, Bellator's definitely got the better light heavyweight division. Just... Let Tour enjoy this amazing time that they're about to have. Yeah. And let the UFC do their shit in the light yeah. of the division. I mean,
0: you got Vadim Nemkov as the champion. Yeah. you got Ryan Bader was still very competitive in the yeah. UFC when he went over there. Nemkov's a killer. Phil Davis, Liotta Machida's fighting Davis. there, Melvin Manhoff. I mean, they have a lot of guys. Um, and I don't really care whether it's more talented or less talented. If it's anything, just, it's just better for the sport. Oh, uh, by, you know far, what I mean? by far. By far. I can't I'm, wait I guess to watch my, that. I guess my what I what I should have asked instead was more those guys that left you know, recently: Corey Anderson and Yoel. And, I know. mean, Yoel Romero didn't compete at light heavyweight, well, UFC, yeah. but I guess Rumble Johnson, and then I guess the idea that Yoel Romero could have fought at light heavyweight in UFC. How much do you feel like that's been missed? Up to, like, this Do you feel like the UFC's light heavyweight division is missing anything by not having these guys no, there?
1: No, no. I, I don't think so. I think there's just so much parity and freshness in the division now, they could care less. Uh, but I'll fire back with one question. Okay. Say Corey Anderson, say Anthony Johnson were still in the UFC in this current light heavyweight division, how do they fare out? Again, it could that's, be all matchup-based, but we've seen – both for both of those guys, when they get to that highest point, that biggest moment in the UFC, they fell shy. Now, of course, well, for Johnson, he made it to the title let's fight. Let's at it like
0: this: Corey Anderson was in a title eliminator with Jan, got yeah, got knocked out first round. Um, I would have assumed he probably, he would have fought by this point in UFC again. I don't know who it would have been against, or yeah, because you know it is all matchup based. But I do think Corey Anderson would still be competitive, bubble five, you yeah. know, six, seven in that range. Um, that's where he's kind of been since yeah. he joined. You know, he's really been kind of a a sort of gatekeeper, a guy that couldn't quite get over to Hump. It's but like it's, we're seeing with a get, guy like
1: Nikita Krylov.
0: Yeah, or he. I mean, he could give a guy a hard fight every any given night. He could win any given night, but he could lose any given night as well. Which I yeah. you know is kind of true for anybody. But
1: and it's a harder question when you think about Anthony. But that's, man, when he was in, the
0: UFC was such a killer. See, that would be something to answer, I guess, after the, we see how he does, yeah. how he fares yeah. in the Grand Prix. However, if I had to guess, I think they would have reinserted him into essentially a win-one fight and then you're in a title. title fight. Yeah, I agree. So, you know, now what would have made sense if they hadn't brought him back yet would to pair him up with Tiago Santos.
1: That's the fight I wanted. Because and... Thiago
0: three-fights kid. Yeah. Anthony Johnson hasn't fought. In three year, years, four years. years at this point. I mean, that matchup would have made That's a lot just of a sense. That's a banger,
1: man. And, but, you uh, know, I would ask about Yoel, but we haven't seen him there yet, so I'll hold off
0: until we see him next week. I month. mean, if I had to guess with Yoel, too, I mean, I think he would have a similar. It would be interesting if, you know, Corey Anderson being gone, I don't think necessarily takes away too much. However,. It would have been really fun. That would have been refreshing. If you had YOL Rumble come Johnson come back and then Yoel moves up, yeah. it could have been really fun to see yeah. those guys kind of infiltrate light heavyweight yeah. and see how they fared. You know, those two old dogs and you well, got you a lot think, of these young guys at you know, light heavyweight.
1: And all the title fights that Yoel gets, shit, he could have came up won a fight and have fought for a title at 205. Oh, he definitely could have. You I
0: mean, know? UFC have shown that they will give him title fights. He's oh, had yeah. a few. Crazy stuff. Yeah, so it's very interesting. I think the light heavyweight division is in a great place right now, and I think with Yon winning, it puts it in a better place. I think place. it's just going to keep
1: getting better. We're going to keep getting
0: better. Yeah, so I guess that is the end. The of state of. The state of the UFC light heavyweight division. Leave us your thoughts. Of course. On the division as a whole. By leaving a voice message. Well let's
1: let's pose the question to them. Okay. Is the division in a better state with Jan defending and being and still? Or do you think it's more exciting and better for the division had Izzy won at UFC two five nine? Ooh, I like that. Yeah. I like that.
0: Yeah, so leave us your thoughts with a voice message and we'll plug those links now. Dominic, tell the good people where they can find you on social media.
1: Find me on Twitter and Instagram at D 14. Be on the lookout, by the way, got my preview article coming out this week with overtime heroics. We're gonna be breaking down Misha Serkinov and Ryan Span, and of course break it all down again on Friday. But no, I'll get into that. And you can find our podcast on Twitter, on Instagram at B A J underscore M M A podcast.
0: Yeah, be on the lookout Friday. We have a preview coming to you for UFC Fight Night headlined. This is a I love
1: this fight night.
0: Uh, by Leon Edwards versus Bilal Muhammad. Oh, my. I believe for Bilal, it's his first time headlining. Yeah. Leon's headlined, I think, once or twice before. but um...
1: Six fight main card. Cirkinov Span, co-main event. Uh, Angela Hill, Ashley Yoder's going to be on the card. A lot of great fights to look out for. Can't wait for it.
0: Yeah, I mean, even Eric Anders, Darren Stewart, Dan Ige, Gavin Tucker. That's the freaking fight of the night. Manel Cape versus Mathias Nicolaou. That could be a really fun fight. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to this card. It sucks that Hamza is kind of. Yeah. And really, we could have probably talked about him even for lay heavyweight. That guy seems to be wanting to go everywhere. That's true. But um, it sucks that he's kind of out of the picture for the time being. But you, you do have to kind of feel good for Bilal getting that opportunity, you know? Yeah, 100%. As for me, if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at ntbaker underscore, you'll be taken to our link tree, which gives you the links to all the platforms that the podcast is on, along with the social media platforms. That includes the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, and Spotify, Google, and Apple podcast. It's all on there, baby. And there's a couple links for the anchor page. First, leaving a voice message. If you have a thought about an upcoming fight, fight that's already happened, a news story. If you want to say hi or tell us a piece of shit, you got 60 seconds to do so. And there's a link if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. That just provides with a few dollars a month and all that money goes back into improving the quality of the podcast. Whether it be improving the audio equipment or down the line doing a video podcast. So again, you can find all that if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at... NT Baker underscore, but with that, we're out and we'll see y'all on Friday.